Some uh, 35 years ago, I was involved in a, a mission in the east end of London in West Ham. And uh, we were told not to put up a, not necessarily to talk about or put up a notice that said, Jesus saves. Because someone would come along and say, but Trevor Brooking scores off the rebound. But we know here that Jesus saves. The young Ugandan school teacher was in a bad mood. He had stormed out of church earlier in the day, enraged by the Christian message that was being preached, and had spent the rest of the day drinking. Then a friend rode up to him on a bicycle and called out, when I was in church today, something happened to me. God has forgiven me the wrongs I've done. Jesus has become my saviour. Apologising for various wrongs he had done, the friend rode off. It was like a thunderclap for the schoolteacher. How could his friend betray him in this way, changing his mind about Jesus Christ? It was too much. Years later, he told how this encounter on the road had been a crucial turning point. I made for my room. I was kneeling, seeking forgiveness, seeking restoration. I began to cry out to God, and my eyes were opened to his love on the cross. I realized that the death of Christ was because of me, then it was as if the Lord said, this is also how much I love you. I felt a tremendous liberation. I'd been running away from God's love, and now this freedom, I jumped to my feet. I remember saying, Lord, give me permission for one more week, just one more week to live, and I will tell everyone I meet about this. Well, Festo Kivangeri was as good as his word, and went straight outside shouting to a woman who was passing by, stop, Jesus Christ has come my way today. And Festo went on to be greatly used by God as an evangelist all over Africa. The God who saves. It's a major theme, probably the major theme in both the Old and the New Testaments. And the account in Exodus 12 provides us with a picture of what was to come later in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Following God's instructions, Moses moved the Israelites to hurried preparation. They were to pack and prepare for a sudden departure they were to make bread without yeast because there was no time to let it rise. On the 10th day of the month, the Israelites were to select for each family a year-old lamb or kid without defect. Four days later, they were to sacrifice it. They were to sprinkle the blood from the sacrifice on the sides and tops of the door frames of their houses. 
This would prevent the destructive plague from entering and striking dead the firstborn sons. Then they were to roast the meat and along with the unleavened bread, eat all of it without breaking the bones of the animal. Significantly, there are parallels with other rituals in Israelite worship. The sacrifice of the animal atones for the sin of the people. The blood sprinkled on the door frames purifies those within. And the eating of the sacrificial meat sanctifies those who consume it. By participating in the Passover, the people consecrated themselves as a nation holy to God. I don't believe it's a coincidence, indeed it's a God incidence, that the crucifixion of Jesus happened at Passover. The New Testament writers certainly saw it as deeply significant. Matthew, Mark and Luke all present the Last Supper as a Passover meal emphasizing the importance of Jesus' words and actions in that meal. Elsewhere, the death of Jesus is linked to the offering of the Passover sacrifice. John's Gospel alludes to this by observing that Jesus' death resembles that of the Passover sacrifice because his bones were not broken. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who was crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other, John writes. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And this connection is made even more explicit by Paul in 1 Corinthians 5. Get rid of the old yeast, sin, that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. So by linking the crucifixion of Jesus to the Passover, the New Testament writers highlight the saving nature of Jesus' death. His death atones for the sin of the people. His blood purifies and cleanses, and his body sanctifies those who eat at the Lord's Supper. In the act of the Passover... With the blood of a sacrificed animal on the door frames of their houses, the Israelites were saved. 
And through the shed blood of Jesus, God's Son, we are saved from sin and death. The Bible teaches us that man's sin has created a barrier of guilt between him and his Creator. But Jesus accepted the responsibility for human sin and willingly took its penalty on the cross. A new relationship is now available for those who respond to the good news that their sins can be forgiven. As a young man, Bob Sheffield was a professional hockey player in Canada. He was a tough guy and often got into fights. And after one barroom brawl, he ended up spending a night in jail. But then Bob became a Christian and his lifestyle and his behavior changed. He started to work in Christian ministry for the navigators. He was asked to go in on temporary assignment for them to the USA. The problem arose, though, when Bob applied for landed immigration status because he had a criminal record. This was automatically denied. Although Bob could still get a temporary visa, he realized that his past would continue to be a problem whenever he was asked to work abroad. So he applied for a royal pardon, and after a while that request was granted. Now this meant that if ever he was asked by anyone whether he had a criminal record or not, he could sincerely and truthfully say no. If the police checked, they'd found no record. And that is what it means to be pardoned. Our sins forgiven by God through the cross of Jesus. He will find no record. Amen? Amen. He passes over our sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He spares us. That's the root meaning of the word Passover. He spares us from the penalty of sin, which is death. Hostility has been replaced by friendship. When we unite ourselves to Jesus Christ, we are viewed by God as though we had never been rebels at all. We are indeed new people, saved and ready to live a new life with God. Because Christ has taken our guilt upon himself, sin no longer has the power to dominate the life of a Christian. In Tear Times this month, the magazine for Tear Fund, the Christian Relief Agency, Tim McGowan shares the story of Anala from Mumbai's red light area. It's an appalling story of sex trafficking, drug addiction, and beatings. But she was rescued and rehabilitated and chose to follow Jesus Christ in her life. My life was once worthless and like a dark dungeon, she said, but God made me stand in the light. 
She now works in a team funded by Tier Fund who are at the centre of Mumbai's red light in district. As Tim left the project, he pondered on the amazing words of Paul in Colossians 1 verse 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The Passover brought freedom for the Israelites. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross brings us freedom to the people God intends us to be. The importance of the first Passover is underlined by God's demand that every year, without fail, the Passover experience was to be reenacted. Each year, for seven days, God's people were to commemorate their deliverance as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Today, the Lord's Supper has a similar function for us. When we break bread and take the cup of wine, we are remembering history. We're remembering the cross of Jesus Christ and we are participating by faith in his death. So the writer of the Hebrews, to the Hebrews, can say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Is that true in your life? Do you know the saving love of the Lord Jesus? As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what an opportunity to remember that we are saved through the blood of Jesus shed on that cross and that we have new life in him. Freedom, forgiveness of sins, eternal life.